Damn, I'm not happy about these guys. This is a nine-day period with three road games in this game, and our kids won all four of them. It's a lot of travel, a lot of stuff. Man, they're really developing into a good team. I'm, I, I really love these guys. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We do have lines open. We'll get to State versus the NCAA and the new twist in that case with Joe Giglio next hour. I'll give you some of my compliance and legalese expertise as well. Mike DeCourcy on all college hoops in about 30 minutes. NC State visits Syracuse tonight. Huge shot at a quad one victory for the Wolfpack at 7 o'clock ESPN2. Mike DeCourcy will chime in on Duke, Louisville, and FSU. The Seminoles and the Blue Devils went head-to-head -head at Cameron last night. You just heard Mike Krzyzewski really fawning over his team, and he said it well. Over the last nine days, the Blue Devils have had three road games, including the always emotional trip to Chapel Hill against an energized Carolina team, and that game against a top-10 Florida State opponent at Cameron. It is really hard to go 4-0 in that kind of a nine-day stretch. And his team, with a bunch of freshmen and sophomore point guard Trey Jones leading the way, got it done. That leads to comments from Coach K, who can be thorny in defeat and not always effusive in his praise in victory. I really love these guys. I wish you all in the media could feel what I feel right now. He is really impressed by what these Blue Devils are doing, and it's easy to see why. Your questions and comments on that matchup and tonight's game, State at Syracuse, Carolina at Wake Forest, Notre Dame at Virginia. We're going to talk with Wes Moore of the NC State women in about 10 minutes. Why? Well, just as Joe Lenardi and other bracketologists right now on the men's side will offer you Baylor and Kansas and Gonzaga and San Diego State is still just an undefeated juggernaut right now, clinging to a number one seed in the eyes of many. Duke would be a two seed. Louisville would be a two seed. Florida State would probably be a three seed. And all three of those ACC squads, of course, think that if they finish strongly, they can end up on the one line. And that's not an unrealistic dream for any of the three. Last night, I think Duke showed why one of my underlying themes in this year's ACC basketball season has been the Devils and the Cardinals have an even higher ceiling than the Seminoles. I have not forgotten that Florida State went to Louisville and beat the Cardinals on their, own, uh, their home court. I just think when you look at talent, depth, future NBA talent, chemistry, coaching, diversity offensively, intensity defensively, and all the things that you would want to win in March, I think Duke and Louisville have a little bit more of it than the Seminoles do. No embarrassment. FSU loses at Duke by five points, and there's the crazy play in the last 15 seconds that FSU fans are screaming about, just as Carolina fans are still screaming about Andrew Playtech getting body tackled and no call ball to the Blue Devils. FSU fans are talking and screaming about Matthew Hurt swinging his elbow in the lane after what was a fantastic, aggressive tip and offensive rebound. Coach K loves toughness. Matthew Hurt laid an egg in Chapel Hill. Matthew Hurt, freshman forward, was not ready for the intensity of Duke Carolina. The Blue Devils won that game despite Matthew Hurt and his complete zero in Chapel Hill. He was aggressive last night. He learned his lesson from the game against UNC. He had 12 points. He's been a great three-point shooter all along. Two out of three threes against the Seminoles. 12 points, couple of rebounds, a blocked shot, and that enormous game-changing offensive rebound. The foul was called on the Seminoles instead of some saw it as Matthew Hurt wildly swinging. 
was the Seminoles defender in Matthew Hurt's cylinder should there have been no whistle at all. The Florida State player was also fading, already fading backward before there was any physical contact. Was it more of a flop? That's part of the debate the day after, but I don't think there's any debate about this, as I remind you that NC State's women, in the same kind of Lunardi-style projections, would be one of the number one seeds in the NCAA women's tournament. It has been 20 years since the Wolfpack women were in this kind of a conversation. They were number three in the nation for a bit back in 2000. They are number four in the nation under Coach Wes Moore and have put together a lot of great seasons on his watch. Coach Moore joins us in less than 10 minutes. Of course, we'll talk Wolfpack basketball and other ACC with Mike DeCourcy and Joe Giglio a little bit later in today's program. Why was Coach K so effusive with his praise? Well, after that game, top 10 versus top 10, in that game, I should say, both teams showed why they are among the best in the nation. If you saw the intensity, the athleticism, the skill level, they don't look like the rest of the ACC. Kindergarten's song way back in the day is one of these things is not like the others. Duke and Florida State are not like most of the others in the 15-team ACC by those standards and a bunch of others. They both did a great job of limiting the other team's best player. Vernon Carey Jr., goes for like 25 and 12 against many ACC opponents. He had 10 and 10 last night. Florida State's taller, bigger, quicker, more athletic, more intimidating at the rim. Big Vern didn't force things. And he still had a double-double. I mean, he's the probable player of the year in the league, and he's a contender for player of the year nationally. Double-double helped the Blue Devils win, but was not overwhelming the Seminoles. So Florida State's game plan correctly forced the Blue Devils to have somebody else ready to try to beat FSU. Good news for Coach K is his Devils were exactly ready to do that. They ended up not getting as far as they wanted last year in part because whereas everybody knew that Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett were 1A and 1B, two of the best players in the nation, much less two of the best freshmen in the nation, ultimately, Defenses can plan for that. Ultimately, third and fourth and fifth defenders can shade toward those two guys. And Trey Jones wasn't quite as good offensively last year as he is this year. And Cam Reddish was actually not nearly as good last year at Duke and he's, as he has proven to be in the NBA as a lottery pick with Atlanta. The other Blue Devils, when push came to shove, were not ready to lead them to another huge victory. Now, they won the ACC title, remember. They also made the Elite Eight. It's not like they face-planted. But eventually, that kind of offensive diversity matters even more. And if you want to cut down the Nets NCAA style, you have to have even more than your big two. Even Virginia last year, right? You didn't know if it was Kyle Guy or Ty Jerome or DeAndre Hunter. All three of those guys were the killers. And occasionally, it was Kihei Clark or Mama D. Diakite or somebody else. But you had your big three rather than Duke's big two. And that ultimately mattered a lot. Last night, as Big Vern gets, quote-unquote, only 10-10, and 10, credit to Duke as well, Devin Vassell of Florida State, who's also a first-team All-ACC guy, phenomenal player, huge NBA prospect, limited to 11-6. and six. So both Leonard Hamilton's D and Coach K's D not only had a smart game plan, they executed it well. They forced the opponent to try to beat them left-handed, as the old saying goes. Vassell got some, Carey got some, but the others had to play well to get a win. FSU did not face plant. Their senior point guard, Trent Forrest, played well. Their big guy, Malik Osborne, played well. But Duke had even more guys play well. 
Nobody scored more than 13 points for the Blue Devils, but Cassius Stanley, nine points, seven rebounds, couple of assists. Jordan Goldwire is a defensive specialist, played 25 minutes, hit all three of his threes, hit all five of his shots, 13 points for a defensive specialist. Florida State smartly played a little bit off Goldwire. Goldwire made him pay for it. That's not easy to do. Trey Jones played almost every minute against the tough defense of a senior point guard, Trey, Trent Forrest. That was not always the matchup, but often. 38 minutes, 13 points, six assists, and a steal. Matthew Hurt did his thing, bouncing back from a bad game in Chapel Hill. Javin Delaurier is not asked to do a lot, but what did he do? Exactly what he was asked to do. Rebound, defend, dive for loose balls, and play like your life depends on it because you're only in there for, you know, 18 to 20 minutes. Cup One bucket, I think, for Delaurier, but six rebounds, a couple of block shots, and a steal. Alex O'Connell, what does he do best? He shoots. He has been cold for much of the season. He hit his shots last night, seven points and four rebounds. He had a couple of big shots in Chapel Hill as well. That's it-takes-a-village kind of victory. Florida State had two or three guys play well. The Blue Devils had like six or seven guys play well. At home, at the end of that nine-day run, three road games, 48 hours previously, the emotion of that game in Chapel Hill. As Delaurier said in the locker room after the game, Coach K told us that a good team wins one of those two games, either at Carolina or hosting top 10 Florida State. He said only a great team wins both of those or all four of these over the last nine games. That is the christening by Coach K of a great team. It's only February 11th. They have more room to grow. I wish you could feel what I feel, Coach K said. I really love these guys. I think he means that as people, and we now know that he means that, and he has christened them a great team with still a month to go before the ACC tournament, where, of course, they will be among the favorites in Greensboro. Wes Moore has led an incredible surge by the NC State women's basketball program. As we speak, the pack is 22-1. and If you want to see some great hoops, Top 10 versus top 10. The number four Wolfpack hosts the number nine Louisville Cardinals Thursday night at Reynolds Coliseum, ACC Network, if you can't get there in person. This is not his first great Wolfpack women's team, but they are number four in the new AP poll, highest for the program in two decades, and they are one of the projected number one seeds. Wes Moore, Wolfpack women's coach, next on the David Glenn Show. Coach Lou Holtz is joining us. What can you tell us about those four seasons in Raleigh? Everybody from North Carolina calling us Boo U and Agriculture U. And I remember walking in the press conference saying, I want everybody in the state to understand agriculture is better than no culture. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. To the David Glenn Show, Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News later. Joe Giglio is going to drop by as well. Joining us now, as promised, a guy who's been a head coach at four different universities, winning big at all four. He is now in his seventh season as the leader of the NC State Wolfpack. The pack is 22-1 as it hosts number nine Louisville. This Thursday, Reynolds Coliseum, 
ACC Network on TV if you can't get to Reynolds in person. Wes Moore is the leader of that number four in the new AP poll Wolfpack. That is the highest for the program in the rankings since the year 2000. Coach, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Uh, I saw you're projected as a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. A lot of work to do between now and then. But it is not easy to be looking down at programs like UConn in women's basketball. What has gone right as you have built the Wolfpack over these last seven years? And do you think this is the best team you've ever had? Oh, man, I don't know. I think I'll rather wait until the end of the year to assess that. And you hit it right on the head. We still have a long ways to go. Uh, six more conference games, obviously the ACC tournament and then the NCAA tournament. So a lot of basketball to be played yet. Uh, but we're excited, obviously, Thursday night. Uh, Louisville's had a great team and, and had a lot of success the past few years. And uh, it's a good measuring stick. It's going to be a, a great challenge for us. And uh, Ought to be a fun night. So uh, I think there's a few tickets left for this one, maybe because it's an 8 o'clock game on cool. Thursday night. I know Sunday's game is already sold out. But hopefully we can uh, sell these last few. There's no bad seats in rentals, right. by the way they've redone it. Uh, so I hope some people will jump on to come out and, and check us out. Coach, I'm old enough that I covered Wolfpack men's basketball at Reynolds, so I, I know the old right. way, I know the new way. Yeah. Uh, paint more of that yeah. picture for us, because I think it's not only Wolfpack fans who I know have followed you home and away. You're a big enough program now that I think you have some just curious bystanders and third parties that, that want to see what you're all about as your number four in the poll. Uh, what does a game day look like for those who may want to buy a ticket for Thursday or you, of course, have plenty more home games down the stretch? Yeah, we've got four home games left. Last year, we sold out three of our last four home games. Uh, you know, since they redid rentals, it is just an unbelievably beautiful venue and uh, it's, you know, very, uh, uh, I don't know, home court advantage. Yeah. Uh, definitely because the fans are right on top of the action. Uh, seats a little bit under 6,000 now. So uh, it's, a, it's, it's a great atmosphere to play in. Uh, and has been, a, has been a big advantage for us. We've, uh, we've had a lot of success at home. Uh, but, again, this is, a, this is a big challenge here. Louisville's, like I said, a great team. And, uh, pre, you know, preseason, they were picked to win the league and all that. So it's, uh, it's going to be a great head to head battle. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, we are picking up fans. I think we took, uh, 700, uh, fans on about 13 buses over to Duke, yeah. uh, a week or two ago. So, uh, made it feel like, a, a little bit more of a home game, uh, than normal when you're on the road. And, uh, you're right with though. We've had a lot of, when I, when I heard they were going to renovate rentals, I said, okay, I want to get to a point where we have scalpers. <laughs> and, uh, now I was told the other day that two tickets for this game courtside seats sold for 300 a piece nice. on the secondary market. So, uh, that's, that's kind of neat. We've had, uh, you know, a lot of clamoring for tickets. And like I said, there's a few left for this one and, and there's no bad seats really. You're, you're, in, you know, that's one thing great about playing in this venue. Uh, I think fans like is they feel like they're really a part of it, and they are. They've been they've been great for us, no doubt. Wes Moore is joining us on the David Glenn Show. If you want to follow him on Twitter, he is at Wolfpack Wes. He's the seventh year women's basketball coach at NC State. Each of the last two seasons, he took the pack to the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament. The pack is the new number four in this week's AP poll. You just made a reference to something that I saw a recent photo of. 
I've been to Cameron Indoor Stadium a thousand times. And, Coach, it felt like a corner, a corner of that building had nothing but yeah. red. So something yeah. is, is resonating between you, your team, and Wolfpack Nation. I know it's only, what, a 30-minute drive or whatever, but I don't see that large a road contingent at most of the sporting events I cover in any sports. Uh, what's going on there? Because that's dedication, man. Yeah, yeah it is. We got some great fans, and, and it's growing. The number's growing. When I got here, uh, they were selling, I think, 300 season tickets. And now this year we were right up at uh, right around 2,000. Nice. So in, uh, in six or seven years, uh, we've really grown that number. And uh, so that, again, shows that we do have some momentum, have some energy going. And uh, right now uh, I think we're third in the ACC in home attendance behind uh, Notre Dame and Louisville. And uh, that's two programs that have been averaging eight to ten thousand for home games. So, uh, you know, we're uh, we're trying to close that gap a little bit. Obviously, uh, our venue isn't quite as big as as some people's that play uh, in in the bigger arenas. But uh, you know, we'd like to max out as much as we can, and it's been fun. And like I say, even when we got back from Duke, all those fans had uh, beaten us over here to rentals, and they were waiting outside when the bus pulled up. Cool. And, uh, it's just, it's just like I said, it's uh, great for our players to, to be exposed to that kind of recognition and that kind of enthusiasm, and uh, uh, hopefully uh, it'll, it'll help motivate us to uh, keep going. One cool thing about Thursday with Louisville visiting NC State again, a battle of two of the top ten teams in the country at Reynolds Coliseum. For those who cannot get there in person, they do have the ACC network option on TV. Now, you've been at State for seven years, but this is the first of those seven where yeah. the ACC network even exists. So does it matter yeah. in recruiting, Coach? Does it matter to moms oh, and dads God. or players? Put that yeah. in perspective for us. Oh, yeah, man. You hit it on the head. Uh I know uh, earlier this year I went up to uh, Minnesota to see a, a young lady play, and uh, I'm walking uh, to find, find a place to sit or whatever, and I had a gentleman come up to me and say, hey, coach, I just saw you guys on TV last night or whatever. Uh, and then, you know, in I grew up in Texas. I'm going down there recruiting some. Same thing. People come up to you. So I think it definitely helps with recruiting and the national exposure, you know, we've got two games on ESPN and ESPN two, which is, is really good exposure. Uh, but, uh, to have, I think like, uh, maybe nine on the ACC network that are nationally televised, uh, is a big deal. And it is, you know, again, for our players, it's awesome. Uh, and then for recruiting, definitely uh, it's, a, it's a big plus when the parents know that they'll be able to easily see you play. Every game now is on, you know, streamed online, uh, but it's really nice when you can uh, be on regular TV some as well. As you know, Coach, you can make history in good ways. You can make history in bad ways. It has been a while since Wolfpack Nation was able to celebrate an ACC title in, in the most prominent sports. Is that something that's on your radar as a coach? Is it something that the players discuss or even are aware of? Or do you just kind of leave that kind of noise in the background as you, you focus on Louisville on Thursday and, and then just go game yeah. to game from there? Well, to be honest with you, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of brought that up all year, you know, that we want to do something special. And uh, it has been a while, uh, I think, for women's basketball. It's been 30 years since we won an ACC regular season championship. And uh, so it's definitely something we've talked about. And, 
Um, you know, that's the thing. Even when you win, you go back and watch the film, you can find a whole lot of things that you could do better and that you could clean up. And so uh, I think that keeps us humble. We realize we don't want to be the same team in March that we are right now in February. Uh, we still have things that that we need to uh, correct. But uh, definitely we talk about those things. You know, this year we've talked about it a lot uh, in that we want to do something special. So, uh, you know, we've got it. You're right. The team has put us in a position uh, to do that. But still a long ways to go and obviously a, a big challenge Thursday night. In men's basketball in the ACC, we've been talking mostly about Duke and Louisville and Florida State. It feels like in ACC women's basketball, it's your Wolfpack and also Louisville and Florida State. How do you describe the league this year and its place in women's basketball? Because, you know, we see South Carolina from the SEC. We see Baylor from the yeah. Big 12, uh, Oregon from the Pac-12. Uh, but you and at least a couple of others are kind of carrying the ACC flag as, as one of the most prominent in women's hoops. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think this year is the first time, and it was it was mostly motivated by the ACC network and wanting to have good, uh, uh, I guess, good good opportunities, good games to show. Uh, we expanded to 18 conference games. Yeah. And so because of that, I think it has hurt some people's records a little bit because you're playing, you know, great teams every night, night in, night out. And uh, if you're not ready to play on a particular day, you're going to get beat. And I'm proud of our kids and that they have been pretty consistent with their focus and their effort. Uh, but that makes it tough. And so we have had some teams knock each other off some. Uh, but I think our league is, you know, I think when we get into the postseason, um, our league will do real well. But uh, in all the women's basketball, there's more parity now. Uh, I would, you know, uh, obviously South Carolina, Baylor, Oregon, those are great teams. Uh, but I don't think you would want to sit here and, and try to predict who's going to win it. I think it's pretty wide open. So, uh, you know, hopefully we can stay in that conversation. Saw you running sprints with some of your players not too long ago. How often does that happen? <laughs> uh, we have a little deal. Uh, we do uh, what we call free throw streaks. Uh, partners have to make 10 in a row. Uh, two players have to make 10 straight free throws to get a streak. And uh, our goal is to get at least seven streaks in five minutes. Uh, but uh, if they get 10, then the coaches have to run. So that gives them a little extra motivation. And uh, they definitely love it when they can uh, see old Coach Moore go on the line for a couple <laughs> of down and back. That's for sure. And, uh, you know, it's uh, that's about the only running I do. I say some people run during lunch. I run to lunch, but uh, those those two sprints down there, uh, it, it's a little while. They know that I'm not going to be able to break the huddle for for a few minutes after that, so I let them do it. But, As, uh, no, yeah. it, it, it's a lot of fun. As we let you go, Coach, uh, congratulations on number four in the nation, of course. Congratulations wow. on making your program um, just a spectacle worth seeing at Reynolds or otherwise. Uh, the 700-win milestone is in your rearview mirror, and I saw that cool celebration. As we thank you for your time and wish you well against Louisville, can you just paint a bigger picture for us from your tenure at NC State? I believe it was your third year where you did not go to either the NCAA tournament or one of the other, uh, you know, WNIT, et cetera. Um, yeah. You know, we live in a world where in a lot of sports, man, 
if you didn't make it your third year, it's like some people at least will say, well, what's this guy all about, right? Like, why is he going to get a fourth year? And yet this is patience well served here. This is going to be your fourth straight NCAA tournament. Uh, You've been to two straight Week 16s. You're you're a contender for the ACC title. Uh, Just whatever your thoughts are generally about that aspect of not only your sport, but kind of college sports right now. Yeah, it doesn't take much now. You know, I, we were uh, we lost a game and we were I don't know, eighteen one nineteen whatever we were, and yet everyone I ran into wanted to know what happened that one game. You know, yeah. nobody wanted to talk about those other seventeen or eighteen. What happened that one game? Uh, that's the tough part. I always say uh, it doesn't take fans, but about one game for them to switch fingers on you either. You know, so <laughs> but. Uh, uh, you know, it's uh, that's part of it. Comes with the territory. <laughs> I've been very blessed, and uh, you know, it, it's all about you know getting great players. And uh, we got not only are they great players, they're great people, and uh, it makes the journey a lot more fun. I'll tell you, I'm not going to recruit somebody just because they can play basketball. Uh, I want some. Uh, I want high character kids, and uh, they help you through the tough times. We did that third year. We could have gone to the WNIT. Okay. We were disappointed we didn't get an NCAA bid. And that was a year we were out of rentals when they were renovating it. Right. So we'd have had to play all road games, and we weren't real thrilled about doing that. So we chose not to go that year to the WNIT. But, you know, I say, too, that's the other thing. When I, was, I spent 15 years at University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, there, when you went to the NIT, you actually got a bonus. Yeah. Here, if you make a habit of going to the NIT, it's called severance pay. You know, <laughs> yeah. so we gotta we gotta hopefully uh, maintain uh, some of the success we've had and keep it rolling. And uh, again, the fans have been great, the administration's been great. We got a lot of momentum going, so hopefully we can keep it keep it there. It's incredible, man. Your last year at Maryville, twenty three and three. Your last year at Francis Marion, thirty and three. Your last year at Chattanooga, twenty nine and four, and another NCAA trip. And 28 and six last year with the Wolfpack, 22 and one so far this year. Thanks very much for this visit here on the David Glenn Show, Coach. Have fun on Thursday night and good luck against the Cardinals. All right. Thanks so much for letting me come on. Appreciate it. Go Pack. Right back at you. 1-800-849-2761. Mike DeCourcy on the other side. He is the Hall of Fame college basketball writer for The Sporting News. We'll talk about the ACC's big three, Duke over Florida State last night, Louisville actually leading the way in the standings right now. And we've got three ACC games of interest for various reasons this evening. NC State at Syracuse, Battle of Bubble Teams. UNC at Wake Forest, they're scraping the bottom of the ACC standings. Notre Dame is at Virginia. Virginia's on the right side of the bubble. The Irish are well on the wrong side, but playing very well lately. Mike DeCourcy on College Hoops men's edition on the other side. Joe Giglio will drop by from the News and Observer. NC State's men's basketball program and its case with the NCAA took a twist yesterday. We'll get Joe's thoughts, and I'll offer more of mine a little bit later in today's program. Mike DeCourcy on March Madness next on the David Glenn Show. I don't want those damn Dukies rooting for us. They've hated all year long. Let them go right on hating. If the situation were reversed, I would hope they would lose by 100. You're in fantasy land if you ever think NC State's going to make it back to the national championship game. So just forget that right now. Go to hell, Carolina. Go to hell. Keeping the peace in NC on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Joe Giglio of the News and Observer will drop by in about 60 minutes. The Wolfpack's case with the NCAA took another twist yesterday. More of my thoughts on that. 
with more of his and yours a little bit later. From Wes Moore and NC State women's basketball to Mike DeCourcy and National College men's basketball, he is the Hall of Fame writer for the Sporting News and its fine website on basketball and many other matters. Mike, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? Hello, David. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I see some teams more than others, and you probably see all but the ACC more than I do. Uh, let me start here before I pick your brain on some things closer to home. San Diego State remains the only unbeaten team in the nation. They are projected by many bracketologists for a number one seed at 24-0, but they're members of the Mountain West Conference. Now, we've digested Gonzaga out in the West Coast Conference is the real deal in many ways, and they have backed that up. How do you place an, a 24-0 and team from a conference we don't see as much of in uh, the broader conversation of the top contenders for a national championship? Well, you know, I mean, first, it, in regards to, you know, it's, it's two different uh, conversations to have relative to do they deserve a number one seed uh, and are they a ch contender for the national championship? Yeah. Uh, I would say that I I in regards to the second part of that, that in most years, one would say not a chance. Uh, that, you know, you're not, you know, if you're San Diego State, you're not, you're either not beating Zion Williamson or you're not beating the team that is capable of taking down Zion Williamson. Right. And, and when I say San Diego State, I don't mean like generically. I mean this San Diego State team, uh, this particular team is is very capable, uh, that, but they don't have an, an extraordinary individual talent. They have some very good players, uh, but not the kind you know not the kind of players that win six games, four games. Yeah, and I don't think people always understand Dave the difference between winning four and winning six in the NCAA. Yeah, I mean that it is such an enormous difference because once you get to the Final Four. Most years, everybody there has guys. I mean, players who can make plays on their own. Now, there are exceptions to that. In 2014, when Wichita State went undefeated, first of all, they had guys. I mean, they had uh, Ron Baker and Fred Van Vliet and, so, uh, and, and Clee Anthony Early. So they could have possibly done those things if they had been able to get past Kentucky that year. But it wasn't a very good year in college basketball. We ended up with a champion that was probably the least talented, the least accomplished in the history, in the modern history at the very least. And I guess, you know, since it was a lot harder to win it back in the 60s and 70s, I'm going to say the history of the game. And that Connecticut 2014 team had one really special player in, in Shabazz Napier and not a lot to go beyond that. And as great as Shabazz was as a college player, I mean, like I said, we're not talking about a Zion. I mean, we're talking about a really good college guard. And so it was just a weird year. And I think that's where we are this year, too, where it's a weird year. And what, what constitutes a weird year? Usually it happens when you have a season where the freshmen who enter are not special, are not game changers, the guys who can completely just alter the, the nature of a season in the way that Anthony Davis did in 2012, in the way that uh, – that Zion did a year ago, even though they didn't win it. I mean, he still changed the season. It, 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 if, 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 if he wasn't going to win it, he still was going to have a say about who did to an extent. And so I, I, I think that we're looking at that from the one direction, a, a group of, first of all, a group of players who aren't that special to begin with. Second of all, who in many cases 
who were talented, Anthony Edwards, uh, Isaiah Stewart, chose schools that weren't built to be great yeah. uh, when they entered. I mean, they, they might have been able to be better than they are. Uh, Washington had the quad A green ineligibility, which wrecked them. And, um, and Georgia had, probably wasn't ever uh, talented enough to be exceptional. So we, ha- we have that. And then also we have guys who aren't playing anymore. We have uh, James Wiseman. And then we have guys who never played, like R.J. Hampton. So what was already not a special freshman season has been stripped of a lot of its assets. And that's why it's down on the one hand. And the other reason it's down is last spring we had 44 players enter the draft. Not enter the draft at all. We had 84 players enter right, the draft. Right. We had 44 enter, 44 <laughs> enter, and not be selected. <laughs> and so you take like like it's like Syracuse had two of those guys, Tyus Battle and O'Shea Brissett. And what would they be if they had two guys of that level of ability? And they may not be superstars, but Syracuse would be knocking on the door of the top of the of the ACC. And instead, they're fighting for their lives. So that's. You know, that's kind of a lot of college basketball in a nutshell. And so can San Diego State win in that environment? I'm not going to say they can't because I I, I said earlier in the year, if you had one pro, and it it certainly would be helpful to have more than one, but if you had one pro that could get you through a moment, and they do uh, with the point guard Malachi Flynn, uh, if you've got one guy like that, and then you can build an offense and defense that are – Highly functional, and and how do you measure that? You go to KenPalm.com, look for the teams that are in the neighborhood of 20th or better in both offense and defense efficiency. And if there's a team that's like that, then you got to figure that they're in the picture. And San Diego State's ninth in offense and 11th in defense, which is odd because I think they're a better defensive team than offensive. But that so so they can. I don't expect they will, but I think they can. Mike DeCourcy joining us on the David Glenn Show. Follow him on Twitter at TSN Mike. Find his work online, the Hall of Famer, at sportingnews.com. Some other teams, by the way, that fit Mike's description there. Kansas, of course. Duke. Uh, Baylor is right in that neighborhood. Um, not many others are top 20 in both, although Michigan State still fits that description. Ohio State yeah. is in that neighborhood. And just a couple Michigan of others. Michigan State, I, I, I mean, Louisville yeah. has – you know, they're not in the top 20 now, but they're still 30th in D. You yeah. can get, you know, just improve a little bit and win a lot of games in March, and you can climb. And remember, remember uh, 2015 Duke went into March in the 50s, I think, and people thought, geez, is the defense ever going to do right. it? And right. then they kept stopping stopping people, and eventually by the end of the year, I think they were top 15, top 10. Obviously, when you're playing bracketologists, you're looking in the rearview mirror, right? Like, what have you accomplished in the past to earn this spot? And you have kind of a different basketball brain for when you look into the future. Around here, many of us see in the ACC, Duke and Louisville as just a hair above Florida State, although they're also a worthy top 10 team. When you put that same litmus test nationally, you know, who among your one, two, and three seeds not only has earned their way there, but even a little bit is separating itself from the pack? And how many teams are on that list for you? You know, I I think it's an interesting question because, and and I think that this, you know, I don't know that people are talking about this a lot, but because I watched Duke last week struggle at Boston College, still win easily, and then I watched Louisville struggle against Wake at home and still win easily. 
And then I watch what Michigan State's going through, which, as you mentioned, you know, from an efficiency standpoint, they're still very, very uh, effective. They're 19th in offense and 17th in defense. Can't win, though. And I think it comes down to the difference between the two leagues right now. This is a very good year for Duke, Louisville, and Florida State to be in this ACC yeah. because they can do what I described and still win. And, and I don't think that they could play that game, that D.C. game, at almost any road stop in the Big Ten and win or almost any road stop in the Big East and win. That's a good win. point. And, and, so, and, and where that helps them is, look, they're going to get there. I mean, they're almost certain that they're going to get there. But as they develop this group, which is very young, and they still have rotation issues, who's, who's the right player for the right time? They're still trying to work that out, and that's fine. But as they do that, they can continue to stack wins and build a resume that gets them to a one or a two or whatever. And Michigan State right now has a lot of very good players, but they don't know where to put anybody. I mean, they know Cassius Winston goes here and – and Xavier Tillman goes here, and everybody else, they're trying to figure it out, and they haven't been able to. And, 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 and so you put that on the road in the Big Ten, you lose. And, you know, that's true. That's been true of Xavier to an extent. They just made some personnel moves, uh, play, you know, ch- changed their lineup a little bit, and it completely reversed the direction they were going. Be, they weren't winning early in, in Big East games. I think at one point they were 2-5 and five or 2-6. and six. Then they – made some adjustments and they went out to Seton Hall, the best team in their league and, and got the only, not only the only road win at Seton Hall, but the only win in the league against Seton Hall. So it just shows you that, that it's really hard in a lot of leagues right now to have to try to tinker with things. Whereas, you know, very good teams at Duke and Louisville and Florida state are able to survive their tough nights. And, and I think that's a real advantage in this particular season. And as we saw from the bracket reveal on Saturday, committee didn't care at all about the fact that the Big Ten's a hard league. They were like, so what? These guys got great records. Right. That's where they're going up on the board. <laughs> With Duke and Louisville, and, and, and even like when they were choosing between, uh, when they were choosing on the two-line, Maryland was their last, was their first three. Didn't matter that Maryland's 18-4 and four in a better league. They still wound up on the three-line. Just as a lot of people rolled their eyes at Roy Williams a month or so ago when he used his least gifted description on his Tar Heels, some people rolled their eyes at Mike Krzyzewski last night when he called this Duke team, quote, old-fashioned, and he brought up Zion Williamson and Jason Tatum and Marvin Bagley, their obvious, you know, NBA high lottery picks, and said, that's not Duke this season, right? And, you know, Jordan Goldwire helped him beat Florida State last night, and and Trey Jones, who is a prospect but probably not a lottery pick. Some don't even have Vernon Carey Jr. projected as a lottery pick or even a Cassius Stanley. What do you make of that? I mean, maybe that's just Coach K reflecting that bigger picture you just described where it doesn't matter if this is not led by a top-10 pick. You know, in this college basketball season – uh, maybe somewhat like the old-fashioned label because they just see parades of prep All-Americans to, to Duke <laughs> and Carolina. But uh, what do you make of that? Well, let me, let, me, let me point something out here. Like, it's not as if there was, that there was a, ever an interruption in the parades of prep All-Americans. No, there was Duke not. Under Mike. There I mean, was once, not. Uh, There's once like... Jay and Mark <laughs> Allery and those guys and Johnny Dawkins came in, like, when have they ever not had those guys? No. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I think I understand his point. Uh, I think the difference in in that though is that that he had the uh, through those early years, and I don't know. I guess even all the way up until JJ Redick played, 
And they always had they always had the ability to be reasonably old, as they say in college hoops now. If you have juniors and seniors, you're old. And they don't have that now. Right. So it's not old-fashioned in that sense. It's not old. You can forget about the hyphen and the fashion. It's not right. an old team. But it's also not a team that is going to be dominated by any one player other than the point guard. Uh, Trey, Trey's not just their best player, but he's also the guy who is in charge of their offense and defense and very good at both. It's an enormous advantage to be as gifted at that position as they are. That's a lot of why they're able to win those games that I talked about as they continue to, to search for players who will not only embrace roles, but be consistent in those roles. I mean, Alex O'Connell made big shots last yeah. night, and, and he's a great shooter. But, you know, th- for whatever reason, he struggled to be that player from night to night. And that's been, and, and that's been a, the kind of problem that other teams have had around the country that Duke has had the luxury of getting through because they have a guy like Trey, because they got, have a guy like Vernon Carey, because they have a coach like Mike. And they, they need, in order to do the things they want to do in March, they need someone. And it could be Alex, it could be, uh, you know, it could be Baker, it could be anybody. Uh, but they need guys that, on a given night, are exactly what they were the night before. So you can plan around that. I only have about 30 seconds, but just to follow up on something, uh, you see Trey Jones as Duke's best player, not a Vernon Carey Jr. who's been popping up in some of the Player of the Year nationalists. I mean, the, 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 the reality was, I mean, let's just take, let, let's just put them back in the Carolina game. Yeah, I don't remember quick. what exactly how much time was left when Trey, when uh, Vernon fouled out, but swap them out, put Vernon back on the floor, take Trey off. Yeah. Do they win that game? Yeah. Let's be realistic. I mean, Trey, Trey is outstanding. I, I really like Vernon. I love his approach, love his talent. I think he's going to be really good, and I think he's a better pro prospect than some people are acknowledging. Uh, but it's that right now, the Trey is their indispensable player. I got you. Mike DeCourcy, online, sportingnews.com, on Twitter, TSN. Mike, one of the best in the business and a Hall of Famer at that. Thanks for the time and knowledge, my friend. Always good to hear from you. Hey, it's a delight, Dave. Thank you. You got it. Joe Giglio from the News and Observer in about 45 minutes. The the twist in the NC State versus the NCAA case, or at least the latest one, came down the pike yesterday. I'll offer more of my thoughts, answer some Wolfpack fans' questions about the smart way to lawyer up or otherwise approach the remaining months in this case. We'll talk hoops as well on the court. Wolfpack at Syracuse, Tar Heels at Wake Forest, Notre Dame at Virginia on tap for tonight. Duke over Florida State inspired some questions and comments. We do have lines open for the first time in a long time now. 1-800-849-2761. Joe Giglio later. Your call's next on the David Glenn Show. The great difference between sport and capital E Entertainment and capital S Sport is that we don't know the outcome. And that feeling of uncertainty, positively or negatively, is unique. We are quoting Bob Ryan the way I would quote, you know, Aristotle or Confucius. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. I will remind you of the floating question of the day in case you're just joining us. What is the fractured sports relationship out there that you would love to see repaired? I watched Bobby Bowden and his wife get really unhappy about the way he was let go at Florida State. But it didn't turn into the Bob Knight, Indiana thing. 
Bob Knight's return to IU this weekend for a basketball game was his first time there at Assembly Hall in 20 years. That's how long he held that grudge. That is a famous coach, finally, at least to a degree, burying the hatchet. What is the fractured sports relationship you'd love to see repaired? William wants in from Colorado on UNC basketball. Duke beat Florida State last night. Wolfpack at Syracuse. More of my thoughts and yours next. You like college football? It's Taj Boyd. Taj, how are you? Welcome I'm to the good. show. I'm good. Dave, man, I appreciate you having me on the show. I'm excited to be here, man. I'm excited for the question that you're going to ask. Mark Richt of Georgia, please stop taking our best high school football players, but otherwise, thank you for the visit. Last thing for Virginia Tech coach Frank Beamer. So do we. The David Glenn Show. Thanks, David. Appreciate it a lot. You got it.